Hey, what's up, world? It's Marco Solis back again in season two. This is One Mic Night, a podcast that brings you stories of artists on their personal journey, helping to guide, answer questions, and motivate you in the business. So today, really, really excited. We have an actor. Most of you guys know me from One Mic Night, hosting the live shows and the music, but I'm really excited when I get to talk to an actor about what they do. So my next guest, you've seen him everywhere. He's been in short films, he's been on TV, he's been in feature films, but he's most known for his recurring role as Felix Dubois on General Hospital. Please welcome Mark Anthony Samuel to One Mic Night. How you doing? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> man thank you i gotta i gotta i gotta have you like do my introductions anytime i walk into a room that's nice you like that thank you thank you very nice feel, listen, feel, feel important good good listen i have questions yes first question who is mark anthony samuel who is mark anthony samuel mark anthony samuel is a human being that at a very young age had an affinity for entertaining people. Started back in Chicago in my parents' living room, pretty much bringing a halt to any social event that was going on so that everybody could take a moment to watch whatever nonsense I was doing. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I don't know, Mark, I'm just, I'm, I, I'm not gonna talk, I don't wanna talk in, about myself in third person, like LeBron James. Right, right. <laughs> LeBron James loves basketball, no, but, um, I'm 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 a regular dude, man, who who has has an aptitude and an affinity and an attraction to the creative and to the artistic. And uh, I I've done a lot of things in my life over the years, working and but the thing that always brings me joy is that which is most you know connected to creating mm. and art, um, whether it be visual art when I was a little kid or singing when I was, you know, a child or, you know, acting. And um, gratefully, thankfully, I was able to uh, create a career uh, career out of being an actor. Um, and, you know, for that, I'm very grateful. You know, it's nice to be able to kind of synthesize that which is in your environment, your world, and have opportunities as an artist to express them in some type of media or format, so. Yeah. I like that, I like that a lot. So you mentioned Chicago, you, that's where you were born, Chicago? That's, that is my hometown, Chicago, Illinois, and I moved away from Chicago as a little boy, but even after I moved to Oregon at a young age, between you know 11 and 12 to, I would always come back in the summers back home to Chicago. So essentially, I was kind of growing up in both places mm. and most of my family's still back in Chicago. Like just as we were talking, my sister who's back in Chicago and South Shore just texted me just a second ago. Um, yeah, so that's that's my that's my home. That's your home. That's, that's interesting because I spent some time in Chicago too. I went to school there and I lived there for okay. quite a bit of time and I say I'm from Chicago. I'm not really from Chicago. Yeah. But that's where I spent the longest time. Do you feel like that city helped form who you are? Absolutely. I mean, and now just to be just to be clear, just so people know, I'm all, I also consider myself an Oregonian. Mm-hmm. Um, but both Chicago and Portland were huge in formulating 
who I was as a young man, a, a kid to a young man, to a man today. Um, but whenever I think about it, some of the most important things that were, that were formative for me happened in Chicago. Um, just lessons I learned, my relatives. Um, I was not only raised by my parents, but when my dad, when my mom passed away and my dad was trying to take care of us and raise us on his own, it was with the assistance of both my maternal and paternal grandparents. My maternal uh, grandmother was, was just as important and my paternal grandparents were just as important as my actual father being there. They were, they were such, it was such a good familial unit. And uh, I mean, my influences in terms of just how I look at things, even the foods that I eat, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a Jamaican food fiend because my fam- half my family's Jamaican, you know, but you ask me to cook it, I have a very limited, you know, uh, <laughs> menu that I can do, but I, I, I know what I like to eat. Right. So, but yeah, yeah, Chicago was very important. Interesting. So how was, how was Portland for you? Okay. I know a little bit about Portland too, because that's where my family lives now. Okay. So you, yeah. 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 So, I mean, so we have a shorthand when I tell you that between the cultures of Chicago and Portland, there's like, you know, you, you, you're introduced to a completely different thing. It's a culture shock. Absolutely. And even today, as the diversity has increased in Portland it's still nowhere near that of a larger metropolitan area where you have many more people of a diverse ethnic, you know, uh, cultural, religious. Uh, I hate using the word racial because it's such a misnomer. We're all one human race, but but our ethnicity, our, our culture, our who we are as black people right. in the United States isn't as highly reflected in Portland. It's not non-existent. It does exist. And those people come from traditions that are probably from the East and the South. And then as it goes in my family, the Caribbean or wherever, then ultimately back to Africa, you know, but um, it's not, it was not as represented at the time that I'd moved there. Mm. Um, It was, however, a great place to grow up. And it was a great, great to come from both of those places because as a result, I was able to, I, I always tell my friends, I can go into a room and speak with anyone about yes. why, with, about a myriad of things Absolutely. because of my, my human culture experience, right. you know, whether you're, you know, coming from the sticks and talking about your, you know, your dirt bike or your, you know, sh- you know, sh- uh, shooting guns at a target or like, you know, or you're talking about hooping until the middle of the night in the Lawndale district of Chicago with your friends. And some, well, some, sometimes one of your friends just suddenly disappears. You know, I can talk about that. I can talk about, you know, art growing up and my favorite things being museums back in Chicago, you know, and that those, the museums were my friends as a child and then coming into Oregon and being like, you know, I used, I would also catch garter snakes. You know, it's, it's, a, right, it's a, yeah. completely, a complete mix up. And I think it actually contributed to my curiosity and my expression as an actor. I really do believe it. Mm, it certainly changed my accent. <laughs> right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. How do you think that, how do you think that stimulated your creativity as an actor? How did that- I think, I think as a result of, of, of having the experience of the majority of people in my environment being phenotypically, physically similar to me, then suddenly going into an environment that was homogenized, but most of the people looked different than me and then meeting 
the black people from Oregon versus the black people I knew from Chicago. It's, it's, it's a study in, um, it's the word I'm looking for anthropology. You know, we yes. are, we are not only the result of our genetic composition, but we're also, I, I would even say more the results of our environmental composition. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and that, that even like kind of goes right back to why my father moved us out of Chicago in the first place. He had three young black men growing up and, you know, my mom had just passed and he was like, no, this is Chicago. I'm going to take my children out to this other area so that they have the opportunity to see what else is going on. Right. And, and I mean, you know, by that time we'd traveled, we'd seen other things. I'd gone back to see my family in Jamaica. I, I, there were things, and I knew certain things about my identity, which was good because I needed it as a, how's I, how shall I say it? I needed it in order to have enough fortitude against some of the ignorance that I was introduced to upon moving into a more homogenized environment. Yes. I could, yes. I could, I could still grasp onto a sense of self, even though, you know, the waves were kind of strong upon, you know, moving to a different area than the Pacific Northwest at the time. Absolutely. And that's not a diss on the Pacific Northwest. It's beautiful. It's lovely there. Right. It's nice. I think about maybe moving, get there and getting a house someday, you know, but it's like at the time it was a little, a little tougher, you know. I want to talk about that a little bit too, because your, what kind of school did you go to? Was it 50, 50 black and white? Oh no, Latino, no, no, no. mostly black, Ooh. mostly. I mean, what was the makeup? I'm going to, I, so we, so, Portland is the closest town to which we were, but we lived over the Columbia River Gorge in a town called Corbett, Oregon. Okay. Corbett was, I would say, 97% uh, Caucasian or European American uh, with little sprinklings of some people, you know, Latino, Latinx people, uh, but mostly white. And the, I want to say this more as an analysis and not a judgment. There were a lot of people that probably, for the most part, didn't get out very much. And because it was so, it was 20 miles east of Portland, but it was metaphorically farther than that from a major metropolitan area. The good side of it is everybody, the neighbors knew you, they were, you know, you knew what was going on. People were friendly, people got along. Um, the bad part is when you're growing up as a black man, you can easily lose track of what that means being in an environment that can't actually provide you with any um, personal resources. There were no African-Americans on staff there. There just weren't many there. The, I, it was us. And I think there was a family called the Dunlaps and another family called the Lucases. And the Lucases and Dunlaps were black kids that some black kids that were adopted by a white family mm -hmm. and again that also is fine it's a wonderful thing right. that yeah. that these these loving families took in these children that needed a home um but then i would find myself in conversations with people who also like look i'm i'm still trying to find my way and grow up they had no idea because they were in this other environment right you know Part, there's good things about it and bad things about it. The good thing is you just see yourself as yourself. The bad thing about it is if you're coming in from another place, mm -hmm. 
and people are asking you stuff and you know better, it can be, it was a little frustrating, but it was also the state where I got my acting experience. It was where I started doing community theater. It's where I got a lot of positive reinforcement from people, you know, and I would trade none of that. You know, I, we are a composition of our experiences and to deny that, which is my, you know, cities of, of origin, means I might not even be able to achieve the things I've been able to thus far. Absolutely. 100%. So how did you funnel all that into the acting? How did you funnel all that into making it to LA or making it to New York or making it to? Well, this, this, this thing was in me when I was, like I said, a five-year-old, you know, stopping the party to like, look at me, everybody. I'm about to, I'm about to do a show and completely <laughs> improv a show. That was only interesting to me while the, you know, the parents and guests were very politely listening and probably looking over at my dad, like, when's he going to be done? You know? <laughs> um, but uh, it, it was something that was always in me. So did, you, did your father thing, encourage that? My father himself was a stage actor back oh. in Chicago and it was his dream at one time to be an actor. But I think the pull and desire to be a, a father, a parent, a family man was was out you know outweighed that of his you know acting spirit so um when he started to see that his son was wanting to do this thing he had a lot of caveats for me and one of which was make sure that you always have a job while you're on your journey to get a job the way it first came out of his mouth was say that one more time please that's... Make sure you have a job or jobs on the journey towards your creative, you know, employment. That's the tip of the day right there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people get this idea that, well, if I work, then I'll never be able to get to the audition or get here or get there. Well, if you don't work, you won't be able to get <laughs> a house or be able to stay in the city where you're trying to pursue this. Right. Um, it is possible. And our I think our life is often expressed in terms of our perception or, our, or the limitations we accept to be fact, when none of it is. It's all fluid. Right. If we say, oh, I won't be able to audition if I'm working, you won't. Because you will have a mindset that is, you know, that is very narrow. You won't notice opportunities or ways to get things done. If you say, I'm gonna get a job and I'm gonna work it out, it usually works out. You're not the only person at a job. There are often people with whom you can trade shifts, you can pay them back, you can find different jobs which are flexible. You can have like swing hours. There's this is you can work at a temp agency, you can come into your own type of employment. You could be smart, like what am I gonna do? I'm good at photography. Let me take photographs and I'll charge people for those. Or let me work, let me learn how to be a mechanic because I can run my own hours and charge whatever I want and go to the audition when I need to. You know, right. it's, mm -hmm. there's always a way to do something. Um, yeah. But the way that that advice, I have to say, is kind of funny. My dad said, make sure you have a job to fall back on. That's what he first said. I don't agree with the concept of falling back because what you're doing is introducing a negative mindset into the possibilities of your art, your artistic uh, journey. Falling back shouldn't even be that shouldn't even be in the vocabulary. And I know that's that my father wasn't the only one to use that term. I think when parents care a great deal and love their children, they want them to be safe. 
just as my father wanted for me. So he didn't want to see me go out and do this thing and then fall into ruin, his nightmare scenario, fall into ruin and be on the street begging and whatever, you know, I mean, mind, mind you, that's not for me, that's not realistic, but for, for the parent who loves their children, they're going to always think in terms of the nth extreme, you know what I mean? Right. Um, so well, they come from a different mindset too, you know, a generation yeah. ahead of us where it's they true. had to work to make sure this you is know, true. it wasn't a thought about being an actor, right? You know, there wasn't a thought about, they were geared to be professionals, teachers, right. you know, be a doctor if you can, or, you know, those type yeah. of things. And yeah. look, my, my, my father had immigrants that came into the country as parents who went through the same uh, depression that a lot of our great grandparents and grandparents went through. Absolutely. You know, they come from a, a viewpoint of scarcity and like being prepared for something. And there's nothing wrong with that as the 2005 and recent economic downturn because of this pandemic you have to be prepared and that hats off to anybody who considers that. But even amidst those, those things that are unpredictable, life itself is unpredictable. So what are we going to do? Are we going to walk through our life with fear of something that might happen? Mm. Or are we going to perceive that which brings us joy and happiness during this time and be flexible, be like water along the way? Listen, I, I'm going to stop you for one second because listen to this. <clears throat> So I have to I have to go to your social media for something that blew my wig off today. And I use that expression because it was so poignant and it was you said we're not going to be around here forever. Get your ticket, your plane tickets, your dreams, answer to questions, kisses and I love you's as soon as possible. Yep. Also, know that your hair color is not too wild on you. And even if it is, so what? It makes you happy. Best Word thing, is bond, man. I mean, best look, thing of the day. It's it's true. There was something that, like my good friend Jack Plotnick, he's also he's an improv he's an improv actor, a character actor, brilliant. His mind is incredible, and I'm privileged to call him a friend. He actually had had said something, posted something within his social media, which kind of got me thinking, and that is. There is no future. There is no past. Past is memory. Future is imagination. The only mm. thing you have is right this second. So we can take a lot of good things from the idea of being present. One, if you put good stuff into every present moment, I think that creates a line of success that can lead you to amazing things. If you put your present into, well, one day, one Days will pass and one day may or may not come. Most likely not because you've, you've put it off as this, this intangible instead of taking action in your present. And if you live in your past, beating yourself up for things that we all make mistakes. You know, our, our imperfection is the most perfect state of human, human existence. And, you know, it's like we, we beat ourselves up and get hooked to something that we may have did or somebody said we did or regrets or old relationships or you know, I should have done this. I should have bought IMBM stock. Oh, I should, I should. It's over. You just got to be here and just move forward. And there's always other opportunities that are equal to or better than that, which you're holding on to. Absolutely. And the problem then becomes is how do we get to that point? How do people change that perspective? Mm. You know, you have that perspective. You, you know, I but, have that perspective, but how do, yeah. how do people get to the point where they can do that? Some people get to it through trauma. They mm -hmm. lose a loved one. They lose a friend, they lose their, their, their family member who suddenly no longer exists, they die. Or 
they do it, they get it through trauma, like an injury, you know, where they're like, they're help, you know, laid up in bed with a broken ankle. Oh man, I should not have been running with that cake in my hand. I couldn't see where I was going. <laughs> and they get, they get a little wisdom often comes as a result of experience right. or, or they look at somebody they admire. They look at that person and go, that motherfucker's, excuse me, can I say that on here? Yeah, sure. That, that motherfucker's got their shit lined up and somehow they either find out information about the person or maybe they know the person and they have a good conversation. You know, I had a conversation with uh, one of my friends, one of my good friends back in New York and he's done amazing things. He's been part of the best parts of the fashion industry. He's been in Hollywood doing his thing. He's lived, he, you know, he has, he has a place over in Hamilton Heights. He used to live in Kauai. Like my dude never sits still wow. and he's like my big brother. But he said, you have to rage every day. Rage, not as in rage like dude with partying, but right. rage is in fight, fight for right. yourself. Fight right. for that which you want. Fight, keep going. What do you have to lose? I mean, we're, we are all going to be past tense one day. Absolutely. So while we're here in this experiment, in this experiment, and I mean, sorry, in this experience, in this, in this game, have fun playing, you know, have right. fun with these new experiences. Hair color is a small, is a small example of what I mean. We get so caught up in what other people think when we pursue that, which makes us happy. And a little hint, yeah. nobody cares what you're doing. Exactly. No one cares. Exactly. I used to get caught up. I used to get caught up. Yeah. I get, used to get caught up about stupid stuff. You know, when I came to LA, they're like, they're like, don't tell anybody about your age. Don't tell anybody about your orientation. Don't tell anybody nothing. Don't do, it's like, nobody cares. Nobody and anyone cares. who does care, it's about them and the problems they have in their own lives. Right. Live your life, live your life. And the closer you can, the better you do that, the more often you do that, your successes will line up like dominoes. Cause you're free of that negative energy pushing against you that Absolutely. you create. The burden has been lifted. Yeah. It's honest. You haven't even talked about it's, acting yet. Yeah, That's funny. Right. I know, right? Let's let's do that. Let's get into acting. So now you, you know, are best known for your, your role on General Hospital, although you've done amazing work. Thank you. How was uh how was going back to General Hospital for you? Because it's been a it's been a pretty long career on General Hospital too. Yeah, honestly, I, if somebody yeah. would have said, hey man, you're gonna be on an ABC TV show for you know going on eight years nine years i'd be like oh well that sounds fun but acting is is a gig of seasons we pass through it and you do these you do these jobs you become very close to people and then you move to the next job hopefully you take along some of those people in your personal life maybe you get to work with them again down the line which i've had the, the pleasure and privilege to do but it's it's transitory so when, man, just to be able to say that I've been able to do this for this long, by no, you know, it's not just up to me, you know, there's a whole system of things that go into being able to participate or be a part of, or be, be uh, a person that people like enough consider. that they want to see. Yeah, consider. So, so man, it's been wonderful. Yeah. Always good to be, be there. That is that is one of my families, even after it will be, you know, what, who knows when it comes to an end, but 
that'll always be an important part to me. And I, I've got to always give a shout out to Frank Valentini, the producer there, uh, Mark Teschner, our casting director, mm -hmm. um, ABC television, Walt Disney, you know, um, one of my first experiences was being a part of what was called the ABC talent showcase. And it was a diversity showcase that happens in New York and LA and other places. Mm -hmm. And we had a great class of people. We had like this Janina Gavignar, we had all sorts of people. Uh, we had uh, the Duchess of Sussex, um, Megan. Megan Marker, yeah. She was part yeah. of our group. Wow. And just to be able to have my long-term job be with the same network that I was part of this program with that was so important and a wonderful time in my life. And to still have a lot of friends from that experience, that's been wonderful. So I'll always, I'll always hold ABC in high regard just for those moments in my life and stuff. Whether I end up going to another network or doing something else or whatever, it, it's a time that I will always be grateful for. Wow, I like that. I love that. <laughs> Talk about some of the other projects you've worked on. Are there any favorites that you have? Um, there's, or, I mean, for I'm different sure reasons. Yeah. There's the different reasons there's favorite ones. I mean, even down to commercial work that I used to do when I first came to LA, I was shooting a lot of commercials and this is back in a time where money was flying left and right, where they were sending us all over the world to shoot stuff. And I was part of this campaign for Hallmark and it was a product called a kiss kiss bear back in the day. And they had magnets in the lips and they would kiss. And anyway, there was a series <laughs> of commercials that the three actors of three actors would do uh, my friend, Sean Christopher Davis, uh, and my friend Rachel Luttrell, who pe some people may know from Stargate Atlantis, um, and I. And we were in this kind of love triangle scenario. And it took us to San Francisco, took us to Norway, took us to Canada. We got to do a lot of great stuff. So wow. on, that, on that tip, that was one of my favorites because of all the travel and getting to see different things and be with these people that I've got became friends with and I'm still friends with to this day. Um, for stunts. One of my favorite jobs was NCIS Los Angeles, where I got to do some serious fight choreography. And then, of course, getting to like work with, you know, LL Cool J. Yeah, yeah. Chris, sure. Chris O'Donnell, you can't be mad about that. But Absolutely. But the stunt work, that was amazing. You know, um, for, for the experience of just being able to stretch out beyond my comfort zone, I got to shoot with um, Michael Ojeda was the director of this film that I did, a horror film called it went under two names, Savaged and Avenged. I think Avenged was the later name for it. When you work, there's often working titles and they change because of any number of reasons. But that was a wonderful experience. I got to work with some seasoned professionals that knew what was up, who helped guide me along the way during the course of that work and to be settled in. And that was wonderful. My stage work in Portland, I did uh, Six Degrees of Separation, and then I did Miss Evers' Voice. Mm -hmm. And some of the actors I worked with on Miss Evers' Voice, some of the best actors you will see in the world, they were Ashlyn Shakespearean. Like, they were serious, heavy. And they gave me, on the fly, they taught me a lot of stuff. This older actor named JP, he was amazing. Um, he broke it down for me. Broke it down for me on a creative level, an artist level, and on a, a personal level, mm -hmm. you know? Um, even auditions I had, you know, there was an audition I had for a Disney thing years ago and both, uh, the late James Avery and I came back for the callback. And even though I didn't get the job, 
James Avery introduced me to a lot of stuff that was culturally significant for me as a young actor moving to Los Angeles, like trying that. to stay grounded. And he did that out of the kindness of his heart. He didn't have to, he didn't even have to fuck with me. He'd be like, who cares? I mean, yeah, right. good luck, bro. But he actually took me under his wing at that time and said, this is Esalon Bookstore. These restaurants here are West Indian. Your family's Jamaican. It was a beautiful thing. So for that, forever, forever grateful. You feel like there's a community amongst, you know, black actors Absolutely. in Hollywood? Yeah. Absolutely. And I think more now than ever, <clears throat> it's important to have that community. You know, I, I didn't know where it was. I didn't know what was going on, but I've had such support from amazing artist friends, you know, and I'm not going to drop names of them, but I will say every single one of them has significant value to me. And some of them don't even know how much value they have to me just by having their company and perspective. I'm, I'm forever grateful for it. And I, now that we have an opportunity to be, to have a wider representation of who we are on screen. Like I never thought my comic book, anime loving, you know, uh, <laughs> would have a community represented on screen and the artists around me to go, yeah, we just like you, dog. You know, yeah. like oh, work because I thought I was a problem. That's but right. no, that's what happens when you're like in touch with your community and when your community is represented in a much bigger way. And do you feel like the events that happened last summer sort of initiated all this change? Yeah, absolutely. The two mm -hmm. things, that, yeah, when we say the events, not only the the shameful events, but also that which is beyond our control. This pandemic forced people to pay attention. Pay attention. To pay attention. Right. Because they had nowhere else they were going to go. Right. They couldn't leave. They right. had to stay home and, and pay attention. So these movements, which have been going on for our people for ever since we landed here, now were being seen and, and understood in a greater way by our allies. Absolutely. You know? And, and because of the pandemic, and, we had everybody join in with us, right? Yep. yep. And it probably would yep. never have happened. Yeah. The creative atmosphere was like rich because, look, as you and I both know, hip hop and jazz didn't come because brothers and sisters are like, hey, everything's great. Let's right. talk about it. It was because of strife and strife. struggle. Yep. You know? Absolutely. And the pandemic gave certain groups of people a little taste of not being able to get their way. And that helps. That helps creatively, that helps spiritually, that helps people open their eyes and see across the table at their other brothers and sisters who may not look like them, but they realize humbly that they are them. Absolutely, you know? 100, 100. Thoughts on the new uh, presidency coming in? Well. Does that give hope? Yes, I mean. <laughs> We can only go up from here, really. Um, I'm optimistic. I am not a fanboy when it comes to politicians. I they're employees that we we vote in, and some I may have better feelings about than others. Um, I feel more optimistic about this administration being able to address some things, mm -hmm. correct some things, but we can't put that all on in an, admi an administration. We have to, as an individuals in this country, speak up, uh, search, learn, because let's face it, you know, things that could be done in four years 
or eight years can easily be undone in another four years, Absolutely. as we saw as an example. It can be undone in the first 100 days yeah. of the new administration. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And what's more powerful than having a, a strong looking administration or a diverse looking administration is an administration that pay, pays acute attention to the needs of the individuals of their constituency. What Absolutely. do we need? Because we're not, we're talking about a cross of culture. We have people of color that need certain things. We have poor people that have long needed some things. Some of those people I just mentioned are the same people. Right. We need them to have opportunity. We need to have uh, education being something that is like the cup runneth over with it. Because only out of education are we going to be able to address problems in a realistic and honest way. But if we're lulled to sleep by reality TV or what have you, and you know, and no, no shade to reality TV, I watch mm -hmm. some. But if we're only focusing on that big screen TV and not focusing on what content we can bring to the table to make to have an overall push or advancement of who we are, you know, four years gets changed just Listen. like that. But you can't fool a smart person. You can. And it starts, it actually starts on the individual level, like yep. we're doing now with the conversation yep. plus action. That's yep. how this podcast started during the pandemic to empower our culture. That's wonderful. Talk about finances, you know, financial gain, wealth, you know, starting your own business, you yep. know, being self financially sufficient, all those things, learning about the culture history of who we are and taking it forward. These things that you just mentioned, could you imagine if at the, at the elementary and secondary educational level, we were focusing more on a more specific understanding of world history and economics yes. individually, uh, uh, nationally and internationally? Those classes, those are the things I think kids need to get. You know, more I than agree. You, I you agree. go out to the world and we're not all like, well, who was Davy Crockett? Nobody cares about Davy Crockett. Right. You, have, you have no money. Right. You're in debt. Right. When you're trying to figure out your financial plan. When you're talking about generational wealth, you know, net worth, all these things. You know, I had to learn about this stuff in the world. I sure didn't learn it in school. Right. I, I agree. I agree. And even though I went to those types of school, yeah. I still didn't. I wasn't privy to that information. My right. family didn't. We didn't. You know, we didn't sit down and read the Wall Street Journal. Nope. We didn't, you know, talk about stocks over breakfast. Yep. We didn't do those things. And yeah. now we're getting to a point where everybody's helping everybody and you're learning and you're telling other people and you're showing other people. That's yeah. what we need to be doing for this whole yeah. culture. And mind you, we mind you, we can we can acknowledge the fact that we've been staggered in terms of a culture. Absolutely. There, there was a huge advantage that a certain part of the world had prior to us being legally able to do, which we should have an inalienable right to right. do. So it we're catching up. Right. But, but I would also say to those people that think there's a system that's always working against them, which there's some things that there's are some working. some things, yeah, today, yeah. But you can't rest on that like a crutch. You can't, you know what I mean? No, there's some. We have some amazing examples of, of just excellence in spite of forces working against them. We do. Whether it be athletically, creatively, creatively, you know, being a person at that at the forefront of business, at the forefront of medical discoveries. Yes. This doesn't have a color. Right. This can be done 
look, we can, we do need to clean up parts of society, like parts of things that have been working against us, but we also can achieve. So, you know, again, back to the individual. Okay. So I've been given this piece of garbage. I can either look at it and complain that I have a piece of garbage or I can fold it out and see what I can make with it. Or I can throw it away and get something I want. You it's, know what I mean? It's mindset. It's absolutely mindset. Yeah. You said it. You said it. Yeah. So what do you have coming up uh, in the future that you can talk about? Anything? Um, so, yeah, I just shot uh, during the pandemic. Lots of testing. Lots of I, I do this because it's like shoving something up your nose. <laughs> um I have a film that's going to be coming out. The working title was Game of Love, but I think the title has changed now. And I believe that's going to be coming out on Netflix. I wish I could give you a date. I can't because I don't know. <laughs> you don't know. When it comes out. Um, we're going to have some more episodes of GH coming out. One came out today. I'm going to go to work again this week, you know, so we'll see which, which direction the storyline goes there. Um, I have a writing partner with whom I've been doing some really good com comic stuff. We've been shooting it. And, you know, because of the pandemic, it slowed us down a little bit, but we hope to have some things all lined up. We've been shooting several different sketches and I feel like as soon as we can get all of them put together, we'll start shaping them like shows and stuff. But I'll, I'll let you know about that. I like that. I like that. Well, Mark, I want to thank you for your time. You are the bright light and I hope everybody listens to this podcast and they share it and download it and subscribe to this podcast tell everybody how we can we can find you on social media or how we can get in touch um, with you and keep up with you my social media account for instagram and for twitter is m-a-r-c-a-s-a-r-t mark as art it just means mark anthony samuel artist but shortened down mark as art um and uh i guess that would be the way you could you know see what's up thank you very much well make sure you follow him on all social media listen to him watch him he has the info. Tip of the day. Well, I have some info. Y'all <laughs> got info, info that I don't have. So, you know, go ahead. Y'all are all shining lights. Shine some my way so I can see what's up, too. Because, you know, no one human. We're, we're not an island. We have we're to not. work together. You Working know? together, for sure. That thing, it takes a village. That's right. That's okay. right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to One Mike Night Podcast. You can find us at One Mike Night. One Mike Night is spelled only E-M-I-C-N-I-T-E. Go to the dot com, find all the links to the social media. You can find me at Marcos Luis, M A R C O S L U I S. Same thing, go to the dot com, find all the social media links. If you have any questions or you want to come on the show, let me know. Inbox me on Instagram at Marcos Luis. I want to thank you for joining me once again. <laughs>